at every you know point where you reflect back on your life you realize you never ever knew the script you know back at 17 years old in japan i wouldn't have had a clue what i was going to be doing at 54 years old uh, sitting here with you today and you look back and you go wow it's been it's been pretty cool fun and i think that i've done all of the things you know that i would have wanted to do if i could have imagined what they were as long as i apply the things that i've learned as long as i chart a course with you know some humility and understanding that now that i'm quite a bit older 30 odd years older you probably don't appreciate the the big risks that you're taking but they all seemed manageable at the time Welcome to episode 161 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. Many factors contribute to building a successful business. Strategies, structures and procedures all contribute to improve performance. Something that is less tangible, but arguably more important, is the business relationships that underpin growth. For it's the people within your organisation and the relationships they develop that actually make the business successful. James Sarah is the Joint Managing Director of the Sarah Group, a third generation family business established in 1961. The Sarah Group comprises of Sarah Constructions, a commercial construction contractor, and Highmarsh Plumbing, a commercial plumbing maintenance and water treatment contractor. In today's episode of Be The Drop, James discusses his role in maintaining the family business values through growth and expansion. He reflects on how an exchange to Japan helped shape his life learning approach and also shares his top tips to build successful business relationships. This is James's version of Be The Drop. James Cridland, podnews.net editor and international podcast speaker, is coming to Adelaide on Wednesday the 23rd of October to present the latest data on podcasting trends from around the world. I'm super excited to host this event and would love to see you there. For full event details and to book your ticket, head to bit.ly slash podnewsadelaide or hit the link in the show notes. Well, James, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you, Amelia. Now, you've got your item of significance and you've just told me it is going to be re- revealed like a room on the block. It is. So which it- is possibly the best lead-in I've ever had. So, James, please reveal. Okay. What I have here, Amelia, is a 1983 Collins day-to-a-page diary with a very cute sticker on the front. And the, the story to this diary is that I spent all of calendar 1983, one year, living uh, in Japan on the northern island of Hokkaido in a little fishing village called Yoichi. And I assiduously kept a diary every day. I wrote a page or half a page every day of that year of my experiences. And so it's a little bit of time travel. I read it probably every five years or so. That's probably one of the most significant things and experiences that I've had in my life. And that is an item that, uh, as I say, 
faithfully records it. Fantastic. And I will take a photo of that so that we can show listeners and they can jump on the social channels and, and have a look. Because you did mention there's a cute photo on the front and it is cute. It is. So tell us about that year, 1983, and you had a year in Japan. Yep. Was there a significance as far as life learning? What did you take from that? You said you'd go back and read it mm. still. Mm. So obviously that was quite an impactful year. How have you taken that forward in the rest of your journey? It was an incredibly impactful year. And, you know, if you if you sit and, re, you know, review your life and significant times and moments, that for me is the most significant. So I was a Rotary Exchange student. I uh, matriculated and straight after I finished school, I went off to Japan as a Rotary Exchange student, spent a year living up on the North Island, learnt to speak pretty handy Japanese, went to school, uh, had four host families, experienced life and uh, the culture of Japan, you know, in the most immersive way that you possibly can. And it was the most significant year of my life. I th- I'm sure as I look back, it really turned me into who I am in terms of my sense of self-confidence, my sense of how big and wonderful the world is, my sense of compassion and tolerance and understanding that everybody's different and a sense that anything you put your mind to, you can achieve and that nothing's too hard. So I think it really set me up not only for the balance of my own life, but also has helped me be who I am in the context of this business. Mm. Oh, I love it. What a great story. That was terrific. And what important lessons to learn. Mm. And, you know, as you say, it's really a life-changing for you as Mm. a person, but then translates across into business. Now, you work in a family business, Sarah Group, and there's a number of different businesses under that. I assume there's a lot of skills required, you know, and personal skills required to do that. Perhaps you can share with us a story from a business context around, you know, some of the learnings along the way. You know, everybody's difference, but the differences need to be embraced. We've got over 300 staff in across the group in in different businesses. Sarah Constructions is culture is nuanced and slightly different, so it's understanding that you need slightly tweaked or nuanced or slightly different approaches to help support and lead people to get the results that everybody wants to achieve. Mm. So for you then, what, you know, along that business journey, when did you step into the business? So you came back from Japan, you yeah. know, what was next? I uh, went to university, studied the building degree, uh, went off up to Queensland and did an MBA. So again, I lived away for another year. And so Tim, Sarah, my business partner and I came into the business in uh, the early 90s. So I turned back up from Queensland in early 91 and Tim him join me at the end of 1992. And what was that like, you know, as a family business? Did you feel you had a choice? Is it is it is it written in stone? How does that work coming into the family business? Oh, I, I certainly had a choice. Anything that uh, either of us had decided to do, if it was different to this, we, we would have been supported. I mean, we've got siblings as well who do all sorts of different things. It was certainly an aspiration of mine. I mean, you know, I, I looked up at my dad and my uncle particularly and thought, gee whiz, these guys look like uh, they're having fun. They look like what they do is fulfilling and rewarding. And in the absence of any other burning ambition to be anything else, I thought, well, this looks like a pretty interesting thing to do. And of course, you know, b- building things is interesting and fun. So then, that, you know, that desire for you to be part of the business was probably always there. It's hard to reflect back to when you were, you know, finishing school and whether you were actually consciously thinking about it. But because I'd spent a year in such a culturally different place, I guess using a different part of my brain, learning a language and having 
just such a different experience that coming back and suddenly having to knuckle down to full-time technical you know obviously very challenging uh, study kind of didn't work so I really made a bit of a mess of first year civil engineering and so then transferred to the building degree as I mentioned and that was more stimulating that then I think naturally led me into thinking well yep this is okay this is um, something that I can aspire to I hope my dad and my uncle want me in the business. Mm. And you, you also mentioned you started your MBA too. Yep. How important is that as part of, you know, helping understand a business management context? Oh, very much because it's almost like learning a language. Obviously, you learn some technical, analytical skills, but you're also really learning the language of business, a bit like um, marketing, for example. It's, it's a framework for understanding why you should do things in a certain logical, systematic way. So I found it very valuable. Do you hear lots of comments now about millennials and and what they don't know you know Mm. it's that generate the younger generation but you know coming in as a young person into business yourself did you feel like you had enough knowledge and experience to to do that in hindsight probably not Amelia but again you know youth and exuberance and certainly from my perspective the experiences uh, that I'd had relatively recently in terms of things like Japan uh, as long as I apply the things that I've learned as long as I you know am not reckless or you know silly about it or big-headed or you know you've got to you've got to chart a course with you know some humility and understanding that people are going to look at you and go well you know you you've just been handed this on a plate why would I listen to you so you've got to you've got to do all those things but now that I'm quite a bit older 30 odd years older and you look back and you go wow that was that was pretty audacious but it was fun you probably don't appreciate the the big risks that you're taking, but they all seemed manageable at the time. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. (laughs) You were young and, you know, you say you didn't appreciate the risks, but Sarah, you know, the Sarah group has continued to grow, you know, and the organisations within the group have continued to grow. So so you've obviously got a few things, right? Oh, sure, yeah. (laughs) That that wasn't to say that we didn't appreciate the commercial risks. It was the, I guess, more the, you know, organisational risks in terms of, well, this seems like the right thing to do. Let's just do it. No, we, we, we knuckled down and we worked very hard because you'll recall the early 90s was that period of Paul Keating's recession we had to have. So the business environment was terrible. Our business, like a lot of others, you know, really wasn't kicking too many goals. And, and I think it was in a funny way, quite a good introduction to business and quite a good way to have to start your career because we just assumed this was the way business was and it was just hard and as a grounding I think that was very valuable for us because when you know eventually a few years down the track real success came we went wow this is just terrific whereas I think if we'd come in at a time when the the economy was really buoyant and the business had been performing beautifully then we wouldn't have learnt some of the hard things, I guess, that we learnt without realising at the time. Mm, well, if your business can survive during the tough economic yeah. times, then that really sets yourself up well. Yeah. Is there anything you think that was key, you know, steps or policies, procedures, approaches that you implemented that really helped with the foundation of that growth? Yeah, very much so. And uh, Tim cottoned onto it uh, very early uh, in our working lives together. This is Tim Sarah. Uh, and that was focusing on people and and very very strong HR practice through that life cycle of, you know, uh, recruiting scientifically, um, having great systems for you know onboarding and inducting for uh, career development. You know, any business can have a product and a market and distribution and uh, all of that stuff, but a really intense focus on best practice HR practice. Uh, it, it, has been what has set us up for success and kept us going. 
so well for so long. And we've been talking about the Sarah values and, and one of those is that it's people first, yep. you know, and that's across internal people and your clients as well as your subcontractors. You know, it's it's all these relationships yep. with people. So it is something that's that's really been built into the DNA here. Yeah, definitely. All the internal stuff we've just talked about in terms of uh, looking looking after that community that is our, our staff and it, it, it extends outside as well. Obvious ones are looking after your customers and making sure that they have a good experience and they get delivered what they were promised but it's also for example with our subcontractors we we have a system for qualifying them to ensure that uh, subcontractors that aspire to take on bigger projects with us get nurtured through uh, levels of competence not only in terms of you know say their financial capacity but also their technical capability we help lift them up we help them be successful just in the same way as um, we look after the people inside our business yes and so there is you know across the business you, you know the different businesses there is a lot of managing different people mm. so you know it's great that it's from so young you know as young business owners and, and managers you were really identified that that people element where do you think that knowledge came from i guess it's innate and therefore it must come from you know your environment and we keep talking about uh, family we put it back on our upbringing and our family life and values and the way that we were brought up those then are reflected outwards in terms of the way that we try to as i said nurture this family i grew up in a family business as well and it's funny because i sat i deliberately phrase it that way that I grew up in a family business because I do think that it becomes an extension of Mm. of that family Mm. unit but you know obviously and you're talking about some of the real benefits that have come from that you Mm. know that innate knowledge as Mm. you grow up in the family business what about the challenges of that does it make it harder to work with family Uh, we've got three children each and you know time's marching on and uh, we're working hard now to uh, make sure that we, you know, ha- have that thought piece around how do we give them the opportunity and the option should they want it? How do we make sure we don't pressure them and uh, so on and so forth? So that's that's just talking about our own Sarah family. In terms of the broader business, the big challenge for us as we continue to grow and be successful is to ensure that uh, we keep that family feel so in other words we grow in a manageable sense and never ever let culture be diluted or pushed aside by systems Mm. yes it is it is challenging because with growth with more people Mm. it's harder to keep that circle of communication Mm. and to to do it but you you know 300 and those values are still very strong across the organization yeah what is the ways that that gets communicated internally like how do you make sure that those values come from the top right down to the bottom. Yeah, again, it's back to uh, that concept of HR best practice and ensuring that we're thinking of everything and that we're running programs, you know, whether they're graduate programs or, you know, leadership programs, ensuring that every, every day ostensibly we're thinking about ways to as you say communicate through all sorts of different ways and means formally and informally uh, so that people have that sense of belonging they see the way that their immediate manager and their manager's manager behave and interact with one another and um, reflect those values of you know care respect on honoring their word not dodging not dodging hard issues but then not finger pointing either but being grown up being mature caring about stuff so it really is a top down you know the man it comes down each layer of management authentically yep. down that way yep 
Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Mm. So then for networking, and you're saying it suits your personality, what if somebody's a little bit shy about networking? Do you really think they, they need to push themselves through? Is it an important part of, of building business? Look, I think it is, um, and networking means different things to different people so that I so I can understand that um, people that are a bit reserved and shy, that it might sound scary and not something that they... Uh, would find natural or enjoyable but if 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 you feel that way then just be yourself make make conversation Uh, don't feel as though you have to sell or necessarily shove a business card into somebody's hand but just 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 be open friendly leave a leave a good first impression on people just have people think oh i met fred he was a nice guy that's 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 the first you know step in the door really mm. so re, you know you're that's much more very much just about relationship at yeah. any level yeah. you know yeah. so it's not about suddenly going oh i need them to understand my business i need them to know what they what i could do for them yeah. you know it's- that's right don't you don't have to you don't have to push hard first up you've just got to be there and you've got to be open and you've got to be engaging uh, friendly and as i say leave a good first impression on people so yeah um, i just encourage people to uh, if they get invited to functions if they have the opportunity to go along to some of these you know bigger corporate you know luncheons and things like that go go there just simply with the idea that um, you're going to you're going to meet lots of people so you know stick your hand out look them in the eye smile and just engage in conversation. That's really all you need to do to start. In the early parts of their career, as you master your career, it, it'll just come naturally. It just builds up. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Nobody knows the script. That's the thing. Don't don't assume that because somebody's a bit older than you or a bit more experienced than you that they're not just the same as you. I mean, it's easy to say, but it, it can be quite natural. And so then for you, as far as, you know, the growth and to where you are now, did you have mentors along the way? You know, was there other things like that that have really helped i'm smiling because uh, my dad uh, was my has been you know a huge part of my life my whole life and i just looked looked up to him and i saw what he was doing and he was involved in things like rotary in things like all of the professional associations in associated with the industry so the institute of building the master builders and so on and so forth and i just looked at him and thought okay that's what you've got to do and i think going right back to the beginning the self-confidence that i developed in doing things like going to japan and going to queensland and so on coupled with me having this view that and that's maybe where i thought you know my dad seems to know everybody in Adelaide maybe that's the way you you need to do it so I went to him and said right I want to get involved in all these things I want to join the local Rotary Club I want to you know join the Institute of Building and so on and so forth and that led to things like the Property Council and as I say it's from the perspective of my personality is something that fitted it's something that I enjoyed it's something that felt really natural so I just just went ahead and did and I thought gee whiz you know if work can be as much fun as this it's not it's not too bad and in a way that's another way that you can help share and extend your knowledge yeah yeah, you know, so for example, you know, I used Property Council, for example, and I've got a young person's forum called Future Directions, and I've had um, plenty of occasions where they've asked me to come and speak and talk about how do you do networking, you know, uh, and all that kind of thing. So that, that's really enjoyable as well. So if you look back, you know, at your young self in Japan in 1983, you know, 
the journey that you've taken, is it the one you expected? Would you have done anything differently? Um, that's a really cool question because at every you know point where you reflect back on your life, you realise you never, ever knew the script. You know, back at 17 years old in Japan, I wouldn't have had a clue what I was going to be doing at 54 years old uh, sitting here with you today. And you look back and you go, wow, it's been, it's been pretty cool fun. And I think that I've done all of the things you know, that I would have wanted to do if I could have imagined what they were. Yeah. So, and then what do you think then looking forward, what's going to be the next exciting challenge then? Uh, I think it's going to be um, ensuring that the growth that we've enjoyed over the last five odd years, particularly with Adrian uh, Esplan on board, uh, is sustained. And, and that's not to say we need to sustain the growth trajectory, but we need to keep the business sustained at a level where we can continue to uh, develop career paths for people, have them feel as though they're progressing, not just treading water. So we're going to have to make sure that we think creatively about uh, different things that we can do, as I said, all the while making sure that we don't have systems and processes subsume um, family values and culture. Mm, great. Now, in conclusion, though, yes. James's be the drop tip. So first and foremost, listen. So, and when I say that by listening, I'm, I don't just mean hearing, I mean listen and seek to understand. So don't just hear the words and start thinking about an answer. Hear the words, but listen to them and ask questions and make sure that you absolutely understand what it is that somebody else is telling you. Number two is uh, put positive ideas ideas in front of people so you know as a manager uh, we talk a lot about performance and development reviews and that's certainly a language that people are very familiar with in this organization uh, so if you are a manager and you are looking after a person or a group of people and you're wanting to make sure that they're achieving all that they can achieve and developing uh, in their role and you know mastering uh, the technical aspects of their job always put positive ideas in front of them to motivate them to continue to strive I guess and I don't want to make that sound impersonal but um, I hope you get the context and mm. then the third one isn't my idea but it's a thing I read many years ago and it was a, a person called McKay and it was McKay's rule for communication or something like that anyway it went along the lines of it's not the skill with which you think you've put your message together or indeed you know eloquently delivered it it's what the receiver of that message does with it that's important. So you might think that you've put together the most eloquent, kick-ass, killer argument or, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to say. And as soon as you've said it and it's come out of your mouth, you go, job done, that was magnificent. But if to the person who's listening to it through their two ears... It doesn't hit the mark, it agitates them, it upsets them. It's what they do with the message that's going to either make it effective or not. So you really need to think, it's a bit like that first tip about listening, you really need to think about the person and their personality uh, and their background and their current role and all of those factors and craft you know, your message that way to ensure that not only the effect on them is positive, but that you can then, I guess, engage and start a conversation. So you really got to be careful about that. Mm, so put your listener in the centre of your... Yeah story yeah, yeah that's it yeah mm. it's not it's not it's not what you say it's what they do with it fantastic mm. i love that thank you so much James. Pleasure. thanks for joining me for another episode of be the drop don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes 
Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Thank you.